This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, good morning from California. I know it's, uh, what, afternoon in New York? Uh, Yep, it's midday, and it's October 21st, almost Halloween. Yeah, have you been getting the kids ready for Halloween? Yeah, my my daughter, my five-year-old, gets her Halloween outfit like four months in advance and wears it every day. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) <laughs> she's, she's completely ready. And, you know, this holiday is, I think, really, really hard for people on a serious note because, you know, you've got all these little tiny kids that are dressed up in costume and it brings up a lot of memories, I think, for people about their own children. You know, I was just thinking about it, Heidi. If you saw a kid come in and your kid was a, a fairy or a ghost or something, you, you would really see him. You wouldn't know who was under that mask. It's got to be an amazing thing. I don't know. Um, I don't remember what... I remember the first Halloween after Scott died, I did not answer the door. I think we went somewhere, turned out the lights and went to a movie. You know... Um, I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of people say that that's how they deal with it. They don't go to the door. You know, but the problem is, what if you got other kids, Heidi? Well, you're right. And this is a really big holiday for kids. I mean, little kids love this holiday. And so I know that's, that's the issue that parents run into, I think, you know, and, and kids want to just have regular holidays and do the normal things they've always done, even after the loss of a sibling, and sometimes the parents have no choice but to do it. Yeah, one of the things you can do if you've got this problem is you can ask a friend to take your kids, and, uh, you know, you just might not be able to handle it that first year. So a friend or a relative or somebody say, ask them if they'll invite them over, you know, and, and the kids really get pretty excited about the whole activity. I don't think they're probably going to miss you too much being there. I agree with you. Well, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. This this is a great show to talk about because we're talking about siblings and and you've been talking about, you know, how it is for you know have a sibling gone and that would be tough too going out there trick or treating or whatever without your siblings. So, I think it's a great time to introduce our show today. Uh, we're going to have Dr. Brenda Marshall on and uh, she's a bereaved sibling and a friend of ours and we know it's going to be a great show today. Hi, do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, Brenda? Sure. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for the show because I always love shows on sibling loss just because I think it's an area that we don't talk about enough. And we initially met Brenda in Dallas, and she did a YouTube for us. So you can go onto our YouTube site and see her YouTube on sibling loss. We did it at, at the ADAC conference. The Association of Death Educators. Brenda um, experienced the death of her younger brother, Brent, in 2006. And so she and I have that in common, losing our younger brothers. And we'll, we'll talk more about that on the show. And she's the founder of Salacium. Okay, Brenda, I know I asked you how to pronounce it. It's Salacium, right? That's correct, the Salacium Group. The Salacium Group, which is a really interesting um, group because it's, she supports bereaved executives and their teams after loss. So we'll be talking to her more about that and about how you can contact her and get her involved in your organization if you need, if you need that kind of work with your team. So welcome to our show, Brenda. Thank you. It's great having you on today, Brenda. And uh, wow, you know, I was saying to Heidi before the show, it hasn't been that long since you lost Brent. Um, Two thousand six. Yeah. No, actually, we just passed the eight, fourth anniversary. Wow. Wow. So sorry to hear about it. That's close. You know, I don't think the world realizes that that's not a long time after a loss, is it? 
No, I don't think they do. And it's interesting, as you were talking about Halloween, I was thinking about the first Halloween after Brent died. And even though he was 38 years old, and clearly we're, we weren't going to go out trick-or-treating together, I can remember seeing tombstones on different people's lawns as part of their decorations, mm-hmm. and that really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did Brent die? Uh, Brent died from a strep infection. The, uh, he was sick for about five days with what the doctors thought was the flu, and in fact it was a strep infection that was invading his organs, and by the time anyone realized that, he was already in organ failure, and he died uh, within 24 hours of going to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. What wow, a... that's, that's unbelievable that a healthy 38-year-old guy can die that way. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely was. He's, uh, he was a big hockey player, very fit, um, and to, to see that happen, really, I, I couldn't believe it. Now, was he married? Yes, he was married with two small children. He had uh, a son that was four and daughter that was 18 months at the time. Wow. So you're going to carry that story for those kids, aren't you? A story about your brother? Yes, absolutely. And, it, and, and it's I'm interesting. sure you have a lot of... Go on, Brenda. Uh, it's interesting that um, his children were probably the first people I was able to talk about Brent with um, mm. in a way that, that was comfortable. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I found other wow. adults really didn't want to hear too much about Brent, but his children certainly did and do. Absolutely. You know, Mitch Carmody was on our show, and he talked. He told this story about his sister, um, his twin sister, being killed in an automobile accident, and he saved her purse uh, for years and gave it to her daughter when she was sixteen. Do you remember that story, Heidi? And it had some perfume in it and something else, and and how much her daughter appreciated that. So you siblings really carry some great, great memories. When we lose our sibling, we lose part of our own history. And I'm thinking about Brenda all the. Even with Halloween around the corner, all the memories we have of trick-or-treating with our brothers and all the, the thoughts we have around just holidays and just everyday memories. I mean, there's, there's oh, so many. Yeah. I, I mean, there really isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about Brent. Um, we were in touch daily. And even though, you know, as, as adults, we're not living in the same home anymore, that really didn't that really didn't matter because we were in touch all the time. We were part of each other's lives. We were friends. Well, and I think you're bringing up a really good point. You said even though we were adults, that really didn't matter because I think there's a myth out there which kind of angers me a little bit, I have to be honest with you. And the myth is that if we didn't live in the same house, and I didn't because I was 20, that it's, somehow it must have not been as significant a loss. Yeah. If, as if it was, you know, and that it's more significant if you were living together. And I, I don't agree with that. That, that has yeah. not been my own personal experience. No, absolutely. And I did for me find as it that. was for my sister. Yeah, I did find that, that a lot of people assumed because, and also because of my age, I was 42, that, well, how mm-hmm. could it matter that much that your brother died? But we had very strong bond with him. We were very intertwined. Um, and, uh, you know, for him to die so suddenly, it was a huge, huge loss, and it still is. Mm-hmm. And after he died, did you then decide to go on and get your doctorate? Was that, or were you already in your doctorate before that? Yeah, I was in the midst of my doctorate, but his death 
changed the course of what I was doing. So I changed divisions, I changed my topic, and I actually made losing your sibling in adulthood the focus of my research. Did people try to stop you from doing that? Uh, no, actually, I I felt very fortunate that uh, I was in a university where they just valued personal experience and, and recognized that I needed that kind of passion to complete that work. Um, probably the only people who, who weren't outwardly supportive would be um, people around me who, who wondered if my focus on you know, sibling loss was maybe unhealthy. Yeah, well, that's what I meant, because we've had people tell us, even professionally, that, um, in fact, I was just recently talking to a woman who said that um, she had written some things on grief and loss, but her committee did not want her to mention the fact that her mother had died. I mean, and she took had to take it out of her dissertation. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, when I went to my committee and told, told them what I proposed, which is, to do a dissertation, a doctoral dissertation on the sudden death of a sibling, they tried to talk me out of it. They said I was too passionate about it. And it was too near and dear to my heart. So, Brenda, I love that your committee was on board with all this. No, and, and uh, uh, another very strange thing that happened uh, in the midst of my dissertation, one of my committee members lost their brother suddenly. Wow. And Someone else on the committee in one of our meetings acknowledged that, in fact, their sister had gone missing 13 years prior, and they hadn't discussed that really openly. And uh, as another strange coincidence, at my exam, the examiner uh, told us that her sister had died just 18 months prior. So, I mean, you can imagine the strange synchronicities of all of us being in the room together. Yeah, as my friend friend Byron Katie always said, no mistakes. So, yeah. We seem to come come to these things together. Well, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing now, because as Heidi said, it's really interesting that you're going in uh, to do management consultant work with bereaved executives. How is that going? That's really interesting, because people don't deal with it well in the business world, do they, loss? Yeah. No, no, they absolutely don't. And that, that's a direct result of my experience of returning to work uh, after Brett died, um, I found that people really didn't know what to say to me, and I was a fairly senior person at the firm. And um, also, shortly thereafter, our leader of our firm died, and I watched how difficult it was for everybody to deal with that. So um, my my focus was to take all of the the skills and learnings that I had as a consultant and apply it to helping someone who's grieving just navigate what it's like to go back to work, uh, and then also to help their team members in being able to respond more empathetically and deal with their own fears about talking to someone about loss. Okay, so here I am. I've had a loss. And of course, what do I get, you know, one week off or whatever, you know, which is kind of ridiculous. But here I am. I know I'm going to have to go back to work. I'm not going, I'm going into a high tech place. People aren't particularly sensitive. What can I do to protect myself or to get the community to support me or what's going to happen? Have you got any suggestions for me? Well, I think you've you've noted something there and I think is really strong when someone's a, a leader or a corporate executive is they're accustomed to being the leader. So it's almost as though they need to lead everybody into hell to help support them. So uh, certainly 
some of the things you can do is, is if the company hasn't reached out to you, to reach out to them and suggest some ways that they can support you, even just on your first day back. A simple thing could be to, if someone could meet you at the door and walk in with you, just so that someone doesn't walk up to you in the lobby and say, hey, where have you been? Have you been on vacation? And you're forced into a really difficult conversation right off the bat. I mean, that's a very simple strategy. Oh, I like that. So I could ask somebody, if somebody came to the house or or my boss did call and say, how are you? I could say, could somebody meet me? I like that. Very proactive. Just walk in with me, right up on the elevator with me. Um, the other thing is, you know, can, can the organization arrange some kind of buddy system where there's someone who's comfortable to wander by and ask you to have lunch with them or if you're up to it, do you want to have a coffee so that you don't feel like you're wandering around all by yourself when you're just trying to navigate these conversations that can be so difficult. So having people, how about, uh, I like the idea always of, of people being able to leave meetings or whatever if they need to. Yes, absolutely. Some flexibility um, and, and recognizing how someone feels. Um, one woman who I, I've, I've spoken to, uh, her daughter was murdered, and it was a horrendous case that had a widespread publicity. She actually uh, chose to go into work a week before her return date and walked around and talked to everyone in that organization ahead of time so that she could just um, manage that first contact more effectively, and that worked for her. So I think it's very individual. Right, but but be proactive. You do have to teach people how to treat you, don't you think, Hyde? Absolutely, and and you have to. We have to teach people how to be good grief support sometimes because people aren't psychic and they they really don't know. And also, I would think with where Brenda comes in is to to educate the organization and let them know that you know people are on their own journey and it takes a long time to you know find hope oftentimes after a loss and kind of just educate the organization about that because there is this belief oh you know we'll give you three days off and you'll come back and everything will be just normal again. Yeah, in your Absolutely. life after loss. I, I think people really underestimate how long um, it takes for you to be feeling even somewhat normal again, uh, mm-hmm. if you can use the word normal. Absolutely. Well, Brenda, let me ask you a, one question. I, I, you know, getting back to your personal loss, how do you deal with the fact and how about supporting your parents through the loss of your brother? and yet supporting yourself and feeling as validated because sometimes we think that siblings aren't as validated as they should be because everyone wants to know how the parents are. You know, that is such a great question because, uh, and that's mm-hmm. something uh, Heidi and I have talked about before as well. Totally. Um, I, I really felt compelled to try and protect my parents um, mm-hmm. and especially given at the time they were in their 70s and uh, it's really hard. Everyone would ask me how my parents were or how my brother's wife was or his children. I really can't uh, think there, there weren't very many people who asked me how I was doing. Um, so I, I'd say initially I probably took on the role of trying to be caregiver to everybody. And it wasn't until a little bit later that I started to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. And how are you doing now taking care of yourself? Yeah, I... I uh, I think that I've really uh, I've made a lot of progress. Certainly, changing the focus of my thesis was helpful. Um, 
working with a counselor has been helpful. Talking to other bereaved siblings has been helpful. Um, and, and just managing basic, um, you know, eating right, exercising, trying to get proper sleep, um, and doing a lot of reading so that I could understand what was going on and understand some of the strange family dynamics that were cropping up. Mm-hmm. Well, Brenda, Heidi, did you have something else you wanted to say to Brenda? Well, I, I just wanted to say that, you know, oftentimes parents want to know why we as siblings aren't talking about our grief openly to, to the parents. And I just want to say to the parents out there, we're being good kids because yeah. we want to protect our parents from further pain. And so we often don't share our grief with our parents because we can see how much pain they're in. So yeah. to think about your kids as being good kids rather than think about it as a negative. You know, we're yeah. worried about you as parents and we're trying to step up and help you through this. Yeah. And, yes, I'm glad that Brenda, like she said, and at some point we take our own grief off the shelf and say, okay, now we have to deal with our own grief in our own way. And it sounds like that's what Brenda's been doing. And, and I, I love everything you're doing with sibling loss. I know you're thinking about writing another, a book about yes. people's experiences, which would be fabulous. Yeah, so it's been great to, to hear everything that you're doing right now, Brenda. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think that, that as difficult and um, heart-wrenching as this was to lose Brent, it's also uh, given me another purpose in my life. And... Um, you know, for that, I'm grateful. Well, Brenda, thank you so much for being on the show. And people can get a hold of you how through uh, S-O-L-A-C-I-U-M group.com. Yes. All right. Great. And thank you so much for being on the show. And we're going to look forward to seeing you at the ADAC conference in uh, Florida. And also, uh, I hear you have a new book chapter coming out and a book that they're putting out, right? We have a chapter two, right, Hyde? Yep, and Brenda, what is the name of your chapter? It's something about sibling loss, right? It is, absolutely. And what's the name of the total book? Do we remember? <laughs> it's Grief, <laughs> no, no. Grief and Bereavement in Contemporary Society, Bridging sure. Research and okay. Practice. All right, there you have it, and it'll be out in the spring, and Heidi and I will each have chapters in there, and Brenda will have a chapter. Brenda, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it today. Thank you so much. Brenda, thank you so much for everything you're doing on sibling loss and for people that have had loss in general to find hope. If you want to go see Brenda's YouTube, please go on our YouTube site and you can see Brenda's YouTube on losing a sibling. Thanks, Brenda. Thank you, Heidi. Thanks, Gloria. Thanks a lot, Brenda. You've been listening to the Open to Hope show, and we hope that you will tune in again next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.